What's Your Reel is a podcast where we interview with industry-leading creatives to learn their story about who they are, how they got there, and where they want to go. We invite you to join us on the journey as we roll their reel to find how these creatives are finding their way to success. So today we're sitting down with Mel Allen. This is the first time that um, we met him. Uh, you, Andy was connected to him. It was the first time that I met him. Um, and what an interesting guy. He is a voice talent um, doing voiceovers, but also a lot of time in radio and all that sort of stuff. Um, we talked about his story. We talked about, you know, how he goes about life and making life better and prioritizing things and just all sorts of stuff. It kind of went all over the place. It was just a great conversation. It was an awesome time getting to know him. Um, but also we learned a lot. No matter what you do in the creative industry, whether you're in graphic design, video, photo, music, voice, radio, this podcast, you will learn something from. Mel is a really interesting guy. He's got a really great history full of all kinds of experiences and you're just, you're going to really like it. So I'd encourage you to enjoy the conversation. And with that, we welcome Mel Allen to the show. So normally we kick off uh, just with my little introduction, um, as you saw on the videos, yep. um, to set the stage and, and get us into the mode. But we thought we'd have you give it a try. <laughs> All right. So let me... Let me see if I can set this up properly. Yeah, with your best <laughs> voice, do it however you think is right. What's Your Real is a podcast where we interview with industry-leading creatives to learn their story about who they are, how they got there, and where they want to go. We invite you to join us on the journey as we roll their reel and learn about how these creatives are finding their way to success. Nice. You were definitely a voice actor. So, yeah. It, <laughs> is that how you would classify yourself? Is that the title? Uh, some people say actor. Uh, I usually bounce between either artist or talent. Um, oh, okay. And I, I like the artist because I get involved sometimes with the creative. So I don't just sit there and be like, oh, words are coming to me. If there's something off with it, I will send suggestions to the clients that are open to it. And you learn you know, as you go, who might be open to it, who might not be open to it. Not everybody wants feedback. Just do your job, monkey, and, you know, uh, and, and we'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, we love it. Well, hey, how long have you been doing this? So, so long. Uh, <laughs> I started very poorly doing voiceover when I was 17. So, um, was having a conversation with some friends about music and we got grabbed by one of the uh, camp counselors who happened to be the general manager at the radio station. He's like, Hey, you guys want to continue this conversation on the radio? You know, <laughs> gave us this cheesy little thing. And, and we were like, yeah, like that sounds really cool. So yeah, a week later I was learning how to be on the radio and just was scared to death and sounded awful. Um, but after doing it for, the summer at the end of the summer, he was like, Hey, can you do me a favor and record all of the uh, underwriting that we have at the radio station, all of the uh, PSAs we have and the legal IDs. And I said, here's the deal. You show me how to use all the equipment so I can do it myself and I will do it. So, mm -hmm. cause I was kind of like, this is a dream come true. And you know, like I didn't want any money. I wanted to know how to do it so I could keep on doing it. And, uh, and it was just horrible. So I was 17 <laughs> years old. I didn't know what I was doing at all. You know, obviously I, I, you know, I listened to some TV and radio, but I, um, I totally 
shifted my perspective because I just started calling all of my friends out of state. Um, and I said, Hey, can you, can you mail me tapes of just the radio station, record your local radio station and send me the tapes. And so what I was doing is I was fast forwarding between all the songs and listening to the commercials. Hmm. And <laughs> I'm like, okay, that one's really cool. Like I really like how that one was done. And so I would like write down the, the copy. I would write down the script from it. And, and then I would try to emulate that person. Um, Cause my voice dropped actually to not, you know, as round as it is, but um, it dropped when I was like 11, 12 years old and like, <laughs> I didn't know how to use it. And then I found this and I was like, wow, like I can totally do this. Like I, I can use my voice for that. And uh, so I just kind of started teaching myself how to do that. And radio was, was there to, to teach me. So, so here's why I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I know nothing about what you do. Oh, wow. <laughs> meaning, meaning like, like everyone we've talked to has either been motion graphics, graphic design, film, right. photo, um, couple music dudes, which, you know, I've, I've played drums, if you want to call that music, right. um, <laughs> forever. But um, I'm very excited to learn about something new today. Um, but I would love to go back to the beginning. All right. Um, and have you, so let's, let's start with, Where'd you grow up? Have you been a Vermonter this whole time? Yeah. So I grew up in, uh, in Richmond, Vermont. And, um, you know, I actually say Vermont, which is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to a lot of people, you know, they're like, there's a T in there. Um, but yeah, I'm a local boy. And uh, that was one of the challenges, you know, with actually like doing this was that, you know, there's no, you know, there weren't any, at least at the time, schools for this and, and, and you know, doing it. But I, I love the state. I go visit other places and I always come back. So. Yeah, I've never actually lived anywhere other than, you know, a couple, two, three months anywhere else. I always come back here. That was uh, kind of part of the motivation for this podcast as well, is we wanted to show that like the creative arts industry yep. doesn't have to happen in Nashville or California. No. You can do it anywhere. And there's a lot of interesting people in the Northeast. Yeah, there's so many like creative people that I've met. I mean, you know, running across you guys, um, you know, I know obviously that you're a creative person hiding under, you know, a person who is, you know, working the fields and working the farms then, you know, and, and then seeing what you're doing here. And, and that's just, I mean, just, just nicking the surface. There are people who are, you know, very, very well-established voiceover artists who are living here in this state and you wouldn't know it. Uh, the most interesting man in the world lives in Vermont. That's right. So yep. I have heard that. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, and by choice, like he, he was just like, I guess, you know, found the place and fell in love as we all do, which is why we stay here. Cause the, this quality of life, just, I haven't found it anywhere other than maybe the Virgin islands was kind of, you know, <laughs> you know brought her up, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been blessed in the sense of, I've seen a lot of the country like, mm -hmm. um, for various reasons, my dad can't fly, and all oh, wow. my all of my families on the West Coast. So we've driven to California and back like four different times, um, and tried to take a semi different route. And it's like I wouldn't want to live anywhere but yeah. here. Yeah, I mean, I just love it. I love the pace. I love the people. I love the that. I mean, I'm a mountain guy, so oh, I love gosh. the mountains. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's all good, and I always f find it interesting to talk to people about. Um, you know, how they're, how they're doing it here. Right. 
So anyway, yeah. when you were growing up in, in, in school and stuff, um, I don't really know where that starts for you, uh, but you were saying there weren't any like classes or, or schools or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so where does, where do you even start? Well, the, the funny start for me was actually that I, um, I stuttered, I stammered and I had a lisp. And that's not at all, you know, I tell people all the time, that's not how you expect a voiceover story to start. Right. Um, but the benefit to that was that my uh, teachers and my parents were concerned. And so I went to speech therapy. And so I learned how to breathe and I learned how to talk and I learned how to think and basically pause whenever my mouth is about to do something that it's not supposed to do. Hmm. And it ended up just working out really well that that was exactly what I needed because I mumbled a lot because my voice was really deep and I had this tiny body that really couldn't make all of the air, but I learned how to breathe better and I learned how to stop the stammering and, and stuttering and lisping. And it just gave me the skills that I needed to really think about my speech in a very different way than, than other people do think about where, you know, I was reading aloud, um, to the kids who were in my, my mom's home daycare. Um, and they would ask me to read them stories all the time. So it'd be like, Oh, I can practice what I'm supposed to be doing with these kids who aren't going to really, you know, I thought weren't going to judge me, but turns out kids are actually going <laughs> <laughs> to be brutal, but it was a great honest because they like, you know, you'd get that instant feedback and you know, it just, it just set me up in a way that, you know, it was almost like I, I feel sometimes like I was born to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that I just, I keep coming back to. There was a, a period in my life, actually, I lost my, uh, I lost my voice through an injury to my throat. And for about six months, I, I very, you know, and this is only probably less than a decade ago. And the whole time that I was healing, it took me about two years to be back to where I could even think about doing this again all I could think about was how much I wanted to do that one thing and not in a, I want to do it because I can't. It was like, this is my calling. I'm not doing my calling. And I'm very sad about that. And, you know, if I ever get that ability back, I'm diving in all the way. And, you know, because I used to do it part-time on the side um, as a thing. And so um, it was just fantastic to be able to have that, ability and opportunity. And, you know, and I just kind of knew when I was getting these opportunities as a kid that it was something that was scary, but I was like, I think it's scary in the good way. It was exciting. I was like, yeah, "Yeah, it's it's very exciting and thrilling. You know, there's a lot of the unknown, but I was like, I I think, I think I'm supposed to keep going in this direction. And Hmm. I'm so glad I did. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that you think you feel that this is your calling. Mm Mm-hmm elaborate a little bit. So what, what does it mean? What, what does that calling mean or look like? You know, it's, how do you know when something is your calling? I've done a lot of, uh, I've done a lot of jobs. I'll just say that I, I did a lot of, you know, self-exploration. Um, the first time I got laid off, I think I was like, uh, I think I was maybe 19 or 20. And my boss, when he was laying me off, I was in a kitchen and I was a prep cook and I worked part-time in radio. And he said to me, I'm letting you go. Please don't tell anybody else. The business is failing. And he's like, I'm letting you go first because you are the person who shouldn't be here. 
He's like, when you look around the kitchen, he's like, this is all we can do. And he's like, there's way more going on in your head. This isn't the place where you belong. Get out and never, ever come back into a kitchen again, unless you're there to thank the chef <laughs> for the amazing meal. Huh? And, you know, I'm like, I'm crying because like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, as I'm seeing it, I'm being fired. Yeah. Right, right. right. But, um, but he was, he was right. So I, I actually went to two temp agencies and I just had jobs all the time. And, you know, I found myself working in a car dealership. I found myself working uh, for places like Vermont Teddy Bear Company, uh, Lake Champlain Chocolates, doing all kinds of different jobs at all these places. And it was this really unique thing because I found that I was able to do all of them very well, but none of them were very fulfilling. Hmm. So um, when I just happened to decide I was going to go on a, uh, a spring break trip, I met some people from uh, the local radio station that had put this on. They got discount tickets and so they were on it. And my girlfriend right out of the gate, like literally we're at the gate waiting to get on the plane. And she's like, we were in college radio. <laughs> and, and she's like, well, him a lot more than me. And she's like, tell him honey. And I was like, yeah, we did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you guys, you know, you're pros. You don't need to hear all about this. And they were like, yeah, okay. And they like, you know, ran away. Um, but then on the trip, we kept bumping into each other and actually had conversations. And they were like, you need to come in for an interview. Hmm. And I was like thinking like, that little bit of stuff that I did when I was 17, which by the way, I, I actually got back there ne the next summer and I redid all of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we have people in our building who don't know how to do that. Mm. And I was like, Oh, like, so I actually, I have skills. Like just run the, run the tech and then yeah, just the run station. all of the machine. You know, they didn't know how to do all of the stuff from point A to point B. So in 1994, that was when I got first, you know, hired professionally in radio at 95 triple X which was the, you know, like that was the, the really great station, you know, if you were a kid yeah, working right. at that time. And so, you know, I go in for an interview thinking, yeah, this isn't going to lead to anything. And, you know, two days later, I'm in the production studio with pretty similar equipment to what I had in college. And they're like, here, do all of this stuff. And so an hour and a half later, I was like, okay, I'm done. And they're like, no, you can't be. And I was like, yeah, like it's all in there you know <laughs> so, so they listened to, to everything and they were like wow like that's so cool and so i just you know it was just one of those things like it it's not like it's easy because it's you know it takes a lot of work um but it just you know it came more naturally to me and it just felt so fulfilling to be creating in that kind of way um you know even though when i was starting doing it, it none of it was my own and so about three months six months in they finally were like, okay, well, uh, Chittenden Bank needs some tags for some of their local spots. So go do all that. And they were thinking like, it's the bottom of the barrel job. And I was just psyched because here I am, <laughs> like my voice now is going out not only over this radio station, but we were making copies and sending them to the other radio station. So all of a sudden I'm like, I'm literally hearing myself on radio stations all over the state. Like, you know, and it's just a 10 second, like Chittenden bank, you know, has a special on whatever savings accounts, get a blanket. <laughs> if you open up your checking account by October 31st, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm like, that's me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know, like, you know, it was just one of those kind of things that was, it was so fulfilling, which was good because of the pay, you know, for radio, <laughs> but back at that time was, was not so great. Um, but then, um, 
two years later or so, uh, through radio, I met a person and she, she and I only worked together, I think like three or four different times, but she had me record a couple of things for, uh, for a, a client's commercial. And, um, you know, I don't think anything of it. And she called me up and she's like, Hey, are you still, you know, like in the area? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, cool. I've, I've got somebody who wants to do a commercial and they'll pay you 20 bucks. I was psyched. This was 1996. And I'm like <laughs> 20 bucks in my pocket cash. Like I'll do it, you know? <laughs> and you know, again, like I had no idea what was ahead of me. I had no idea this was a thing. And so that was for WCAX. And then for 12 years, I ended up working for that client recording stuff for them. And I mean, you know, they helped me buy Christmas presents and, you know, they helped me uh, buy groceries, <laughs> you yeah. know, over the years. Like it was, and it was cool when I realized I'm like, wow, like I've actually got legit money more than what I'm getting in my paycheck that I just did from doing something that I actually just love. Mm-hmm. And that I love it because it's, it's helpful in a way, you know, here I am speaking for people who just either aren't good at it or don't get any joy. You know, all they get Mm -hmm. is fear. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I will reveal a little bit about myself. I get a lot of anxiety before I go and step in front of a microphone. So I was ready to come here over an hour before I was supposed to be here (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like, I'm going to be in front of somebody else's microphone. And so I'm nervous. Right. Yeah. And it's one of those things that people are like, you've been doing this right. since you were a yeah, kid. There was like, some resistance for you to put on the, the headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is going into work mode, you know, like, so, but you know, once I'm in it, it's like all of that, all of that nervousness, all of that anxiety, uh, it just turns into this great energy and mm. it just carries me and it carries me and it carries me and it pushes me. Um, and nothing else gives me that feeling nothing else that I've ever done makes me feel like that. I think the closest second to that is raising kids and like just seeing, mm-hmm. you know, the payoff, like it's, so it's like, you know, and some people are like the greatest moment of my life was having a kid. I'm like, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah, but what else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, right. So yeah, it's, you know, it, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing when I get that kind of a, you know, that kind of a payoff. But I also know that like, I'm not the only one who gets that. Like, you know, the people that I work with, the clients that I work with, you know, sometimes they're just like thanking me profusely. And I'm like, no, it's cool. Like it only took me 20 minutes. It's, <laughs> we're, it's totally fine. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's not like I had to go lift something and carry it up that hill for you. Um, so to me, it's, it's, a, it's a great way of using my time, using my energy and using my effort to help other people and do something that brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. So the, the, Anxiety thing is actually interesting to me. Um, mm-hmm. So a, a big part of my story is, is dealing with anxiety and all that stuff. And I, you know, long, 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 long story short, <laughs> <laughs> um, where I'm at now is I'm able to use, I think everybody needs some anxiety if they ever expect to get anything done. Right. Um, and it, and it's, and I just want to talk about it for a minute because I've learned to use that anxious feeling that we may get to be productive. Right. Right. And I, and I think it's really helpful for 
um, people coming up because anxiety is a real thing. Um, it sure is. And it yeah. sounds like you've been able to use that as a benefit. Yeah. It's almost. fuel, you know, yeah. like that's, that's how I think of it is it it's fuel. And if it wasn't important, why would I be anxious about it? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, you know, if it's just driving down to the store and if I was anxious about that, well, I'd be like, okay, maybe I need to look into that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Right. You right, know, right but, right. It, but, um, and, and I feel for people who legitimately do have that kind of a thing, but mm-hmm. you know, my anxiety, it, you know, and again, it just, it shifts once, you know, like I said, you know, like I put the mic, you know, I put the headphones on, sat in front of the microphone and it's game on. And so to, to just have that anxiety shift like that for me, and like you're saying, just work and, and, you know, be fuel and, and, and get things done. Um, it's such a transformation and I'm so glad that I didn't listen to that fear in you know, my head that was literally like when I first started talking in front of a microphone way, way back when I felt like I just, I couldn't talk. I couldn't get air. Hmm. And it was a great thing because I could recall back to the speech pathology and be like, well, this is the same kind of thing. Like, my mouth is trying to do something other than what I want it to do. I just need to calm down. I need to take a breath. I need to be, think about where it is that I'm going, you know, what words I want to use and just use them and, and get it out. And, and so it just kind of, kind of came and I, you know, not naturally because there, you know, there was that whole mm-hmm. moment of me convincing myself I had to do it. Um, but it, it worked and it, you know, and it just kept working and kept working. And, you know, I, I remember the first time that I was, um, hired by a radio station. Cause that's, you know, a lot of my background being in radio, um, being at a live event where I'm talking in front of, you know, hundreds of people, um, you know, p- pushing some beer product or, you know, or something. And, uh, you know, Sometimes you'd have less than friendly crowds who were, <laughs> were there um, and just kind of learning how to read those situations and read those crowds. Um, also figuring out where things were turning dangerous. That was kind of interesting to be mm-hmm. like, be like, Hey, you guys, you just want a shirt, you know, and, <laughs> and distract them, just distract these guys <laughs> long enough in, in a crowd because you can read the crowd that whatever was about to happen didn't you know, the energy just stopped shifted. And, um, you know, it's like, that's a pretty cool ability that I don't get to use as much in voiceover, but, you know, Mm. to be able to do that, you know, numerous times, um, in the past was, was also just, it's kind of a cool, you know, branch off of, of what I was able to do. But, uh, you know, radio put me in a lot of situations where I literally didn't know what I was going to be doing, (laughs) you know, in an hour. Um, and so again, like it just, you know, I, th- I think that that gives a person, you know, being open and being willing to do that, um, in, in your life, you know, where, where there's anxiety, not letting the fear, you know, control you and, you know, realizing that, you know, the fear is there, you know, and why we have fear is to, you know, just alert our, our, our brain alerting us that there's a situation that's uncomfortable or dangerous or, you know, um, putting us out of our element. And every, every time I go to some creative workshop, you know, they're always like, well, you know, step out of your box. And I'm like, I mean, I live outside of that box. Like, I don't, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, you know, like it's great when I can occasionally go in there and visit for a little while, but I don't live in there, you know? Um, yeah. 
And I think that's one of the other things that I really like about being in the creative sphere is that, um, you know, I took a picture of my dog the other day and posted it on social media because something just sparked that idea. And it literally, you know, for me, it feels like it went viral. You know, it was only like, <laughs> you know. It was a good picture. It was a good picture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, my, me holding a microphone and I had my headphones on my, on my dog and actually similar to the ones I'm wearing now. And, uh, um, you know, just, and I actually had my, my seven year old help, you know, set the camera up too. Cause I'm like, Oh, you gotta be involved in this. Um, you know, teaching them those lessons too. And it was just, it was just fun, you know, and it was a great time. And, and it was something to do where it wasn't taking a picture of me, you know, which mm-hmm. is just, you know, trying to be creative in that, uh, in that way. But yeah. Um, you said your first sort of job, quote unquote mm-hmm. job like this, you were 17. Is that, is that what you said? Yeah. Well, the first time I got behind her microphone, yeah, I was, uh, I was like 17. Okay. At so that's WJSC. high school. That was high school. Yeah. So, so was, in high uh, school, you're kind of like, I, I, I'm really interested to like, when, it, when, how do you get here? I mean, how do you like go from, I'm learning how to talk mm-hmm. correctly yeah. To I'm going to sit behind a microphone and do this. Um, yeah, just, I mean, it was literally the fact that I knew how to use the tools and I got the job at the radio station and, um, yeah, just soon enough it was, um, I started writing the commercials after I started producing them. And I did, you know, like I said, I was doing like those tags that were, you know, like five and 10 seconds at the end of commercials. Um, and then, uh, they weren't giving me a lot of work at that radio station. So what I actually did is I made a fake, what's called an air check tape. So in an air check tape, um, is basically your resume in radio. Mm. Hmm. And so when you push the microphone button, it starts recording. So it'll be the tail of a song. And then the intro of the next song, w- the period while you're talking, you're holding down that microphone. Yeah. And I'd never been on the air. I'd never been on the radio, but I was like, I kind of want to do more of this and all of the good jobs. They're like saying, send your air, you know, your air check tape resume and a couple production samples to this address. And cause back then it was, everything was by tape. So, but I didn't have one. So I had all the access to the production tools. So I went in <laughs> after hours, a couple of times, made myself a fake air check tape, sent it off to a company who was looking for an engineer and, so all of a sudden I'm engineering, uh, I miss in the morning and, um, they also need me to do the news, the weather and a couple of other things. And again, I was, I was pretty bad, but you know, they were <laughs> like, well, it's five o'clock in the morning, you know, and by the time you get warmed up, you know, things aren't, aren't going that, that bad. So, <laughs> so I learned how to do the sports and the weather and, you know, and again, talk on the air. And so that was, uh, kind of unfulfilling, you know, in a way. And that uh, company actually laid me off as they were getting ready to, to sell that radio station. And I went back to uh, the group that owns 95 X, and they were like, well, now you've been on the radio. So we're actually going to put you on, you know, as like a full-time person on air. Huh. And so it was pretty cool that I, I left for this other job that was actually not nearly as good. The production equipment wasn't you know, very good. And, um, and I wasn't very satisfied with what I was doing. So I went back there, doubled the amount of what I w- was doing that I wanted to do. 
they paid me more, which was, was great. Um, and I just really, that's when I really started falling in love with being behind a microphone and really, and it was right after that, that I got that, that first voiceover job for the 20 bucks. And so, hmm. um, that was, yeah, 1996. And by 2006, I had my own studio in my home. Nice. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So 10 years later, here I am, like one of the few people that I knew of, like, I didn't know anybody other than, you know, a couple of drummers and, you know, some other people who had any studio equipment in their home and they were all musicians. Hmm. So like, I was the only one who, and it was awful. I mean, it was, you know, it was boxes stuffed with pillows that were stacked on a desk <laughs> all around a microphone. I love and, it. Yeah. It was just like, I'm working for a multinational company from this, you know, <laughs> like my big client was a multinational company and, um, and I was also doing stuff for, you know, local hospitals and local banks and started hiring myself out to, you know, to other people in, in other States. And it was, just kind of crazy like you know to think back and how i made these leaps and just was like sure i'm i'm in like you're you're offering me this much and i was like pay me half up front and i ran to the store and bought equipment so, <laughs> so I'm like it. you know like knowing that i could get it done you know knowing that i had the skills that i'd learned in these other jobs that i could do it if i had and trying not to be like the you know, the fool who goes out there and buys like the whole entire studio, you know, just to do like this one thing. I just bought kind of what I needed. And yeah, I made some choices that I had to replace stuff along the way. But, you know, the good thing was that it wasn't my money when I was, you know, that I was doing it with, which was the really nice part, part about it is that all of this money that came in from voiceover was aside from I would have like a job to pay like my rent and right, buy groceries. Right. And then the voiceover stuff was just like gravy. You know, so mm -hmm. it was, it was really pretty cool to be able to funding to the side projects. Yeah. Fun, it was self-funding and, and, you know, very incredibly rewarding, you know, and I, you faked it, you faked it. Yeah. You faked yeah. it into a role, uh, you know, a role that moved you forward. Maybe it wasn't that great, but it allowed you a new opportunity to, to get back to triple X. Yeah. And I mean, I just kept learning, you know, on my own, I just kept kind of scrapping it out and, you know, I would go into the studio. Um, sometimes I'd have a job that was due, you know, like two, three days. I'd go after 10 o'clock when I knew like nobody was there, you know, except the overnight people. And they were just happy to have somebody in the building. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. I, I couldn't And I would see get it. it done. Oh, I said ask about college. Um, you went to college. <clears throat> I, I did. I didn't finish. Uh, ah. Funny enough. Yeah. So um, went to college at Johnson State. So um, you know, I continued there working, you know, my work study was at the radio and I ended up actually kind of living there cause I, I was above the radio station. So, I, you know, <laughs> by the time I, I left college, I actually had a pretty good understanding of how all the equipment worked. People have been like, Oh, you should be an engineer. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> like an audio engineer. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, you know, station, you know, like transmitter kind of engine. I'm like, no, it's, mm. That's definitely not my calling. You know, I, I, I learned a lot of my own IT skills. You know, I'm my own IT department and I did IT, um, you know, as one of my, my jobs, you know, again, to support my voiceover habit, I guess. But um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, well, but yeah, I did go to college. Why so. didn't you finish? Um, actually, when I left, um, I had intended to go back and 
there were a couple of reasons. Um, one of them was that the, uh, the professors for some of the courses that I had uh, had left in some big fiasco that happened with the changing of presidents at Johnson State College back <laughs> in the early 90s. And so they hired some people who weren't accredited. And so mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm just going to defer till uh, the next semester. And then uh, by the next semester, I found out that I had a child on the way. And I said, <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to uh, I'm going to not go to college and, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure that uh, that she's supported and and, uh, you know, kind of get back there someday. And, and I just I just never did. And I think it's because I just kind of kept teaching myself stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't feel like I was lacking for knowledge and the level of experience that I had in a lot of areas um, helped me to get a lot of other jobs. So I didn't ever feel like, you know, until just before I basically said, you know what, I'm doing full-time voiceover. I'm not, you know, I'm not really working for anybody else. Again, I'm, I'm working with people. Uh, but you know, I'm not going to really work for people again. So, mm. um, you know, that collaboration is, is where I'm, I'm at now. So, yeah. Do you feel like for what you do, you need college? I didn't, I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because I, you know, I learned all of these skills at college, but mm. I learned them. Mm. I started learning all of them while I was a, you know, a high schooler. So, you know, I, I think it's really just being, being open when somebody gives you an opportunity, thanking them and, and grabbing it, you know, I think that's way more important or it was at that time, uh, for me, uh, than, than college was, um, I would be on a very different path had I continued with college. I'm very glad that I went and for what I did, but most of the classes that I took and that I enjoyed actually weren't even in the major that I was going for because I was like, well, I'm going to get all of the requirements out of the way. And so in three semesters, I took a whole bunch of like English classes. Cause I'm like, I'm just going to get the boring stuff out of the way. And that ended up actually just completely setting me up for all the creative writing that, you know, I did like I was doing a lot of long form stuff. And then, you know, turns out um, you can tell a really amazing story in 30 or 60 seconds. And mm-hmm it might also help somebody sell something. So, you know, that was, you know, copywriting for me was a great way to use that. Um, and I, I mean, I have notebooks that are just filled and filled and filled and filled with pages of stuff where I'd remember some cool story, you know, about like some teacher that I had or, you know, the shop owner up the road and how they solved a problem. And I'd write that story down and I'd, have somebody come up to me, you know, being like, Oh, we need to do this commercial. And, you know, here's the client and here's kind of like the premise. And I'd be like, but we don't really have all the copy. And I'm like, cool. Like, let me call the client and, you know, we'll, I'll bounce around some stuff with them and see if I can finish that up. And, um, and every time it would like spark something and I would borrow from one of these stories that I'd written down and just kind of modify it to them. Like, you know, Maybe it's not that, you know, pork roast that's replacing the one that the dog got a hold of, you know, it's a truck that you're swapping in there, but you know, the story, and then, you know, they go, oh yeah, like that reminds me of whatever. And they'd fill in all the rest of the details and boom, here we have like this great story solves a problem 
and also, you know, mentions their product in it, but not in a way that's just kind of like an in-your-face, like Sunday, 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 you know, yeah. monster mm. truck, you know, sales <laughs> pitch. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so it's like, it's one of those ones, as I like to say, like, you don't realize that you're being sold something until you bought it. Right. Like, yeah, you know, you're 30 seconds into a 60 second commercial and you realize, you know, this is a commercial for that new, you know, yeah. new widget that's on sale. And oh my gosh, like I had that situation. I need that now, you know, and mm-hmm. once you make somebody in their head say, or think I need that now, like my job was done, you know, story branding. So, yeah. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool that college allowed me the skills to be able to do that. Um, but I went, I went to college, you know, to be an art teacher. So <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, see, that's an interesting detail. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I was doing, uh, art education and, uh, psychology, um, as a minor. So, uh, and my other thought was like, well, if the art teaching didn't work out, then maybe I could, you know, uh, do some sort of an art therapy or uh, something like that, you know. Uh, but I always knew, I always knew that um, I had an affinity for working with kids, and I think a lot of that came from the fact that I grew up, you know, in this home daycare situation. Uh, my, you know, my first clients, you know, were were little kids who were sitting there. <laughs> I was reading the stories to doing, you know, voices for, you know, Winnie the Pooh or Tigger, you know back when my you know, younger voice could handle <laughs> that kind of range, you know, between uh, all of these different, uh, you know, uh, Goofy and Mickey and, you know, things like that. If we were reading a story, I'd, I'd try to do, you know, all the voices and, you know, you get that feedback from the kids is, you know, you didn't do that really good. And I'd be like, well, let me try again, you know. <laughs> did so, they give you that uh, feedback or did you ask for it? Oh, no, they, they gave it very willingly. That's not the I right never, voice. I, yeah. <laughs> They're like, Dick, he doesn't sound like that at all. And I'd be like, no, oh, you're right. Like, I didn't try very hard. <laughs> I'm working on it. Mm-hmm. Wow, you've done... Okay, so you've, you've done all sorts of stuff. <laughs> um, that's what I'm gathering from that. Um, so this is, your, this, this is full-time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still do part-time work uh, for... Uh, some radio stations in addition to the voiceover work. And, you know, that gets me out in the world. It gets me connecting with other people. But the reality is that um, instead of, you know, having a schedule that I'm sent and it's like, here's when you're working, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're always like, hey, can you work these? And I'd be like, yeah, I, like these are going to be a problem. You know, I'm, I'm busy, you know, I've got some other appointments those days. But yeah, it's really nice that, you know, it's it's very much the opposite where, I really wrapped my entire life around radio and it gave me nothing back. And mm-hmm. now, you know, I fill in, you know, some of those gaps that work out for me with, with radio, which definitely, you know, helped give me a lot of the skills for this. But, uh, but yeah, I do, you know, full time, you know, I'm on social media all the time. The real voicemail at the real voicemail. If you need to find me, uh, <laughs> I know we so, forgot your poster. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's all right. That's all right. So, you brought us some stickers. I did so give you some stickers. Yes, yes, you, got some, you got some swag. So, <laughs> yeah, right on. Um, I want to talk about the full time. Were you ever full time radio or part time on a schedule? Oh, I was. I was full time for a long time. Um, yeah, I was full time doing middays um, back in. Gosh, I want to say it was. I think my first. Well, actually, my first full time was in 1996 when I was doing the I Miss in the Morning Show. Um, so that was my first full-time radio job 
I'd have to get there. You know, I'm going to say it was like 4.45 in the morning. And so, you know, I'd be gone a little later in the afternoon. And then I was doing, um, uh, I left there. That was Champ 101.3 back shortly after they first started. Um, so I left there to go to WVMT and I was doing middays um, for a long time, a couple of years, I'm going to say at least. <laughs> um, for me back then, it was, you know, it seemed like it was a long time. And then um, I did, uh, let's see, the next full-time job I had in radio, I think was, I was a producer of Corman the Coach for two and a half years. And, um, and then I was the midday person at Champ for another stretch of time. I, I can't remember exactly. So, um, and then I went to another radio group. Um, I was a production director for, when I first started, I was nine different stations and then it ended up being, I was the assistant or I was the acting production director for five more. So I ended up being doing basically production director for 13 different radio stations. And that was a lot of times that I was the only one in the building. And I'd be like, well, I got to do a couple of different voices because <laughs> uh, here's two people having a conversation in, in this commercial <laughs> and I'm the only one here and this has to be playing tomorrow. And yeah. so... Uh, that's you know, a special skill. Yeah. Creativity definitely <laughs> abounds, you know, or, um, and that's one thing that, um, the injury that I had to, you know, to my throat took some of that range out. Um, hmm. but the good thing is that it just allowed me to focus on being me. Hmm. So Interesting. it actually, I don't see it as a detractor because I, um, as I say to people, I spent the first half of my voiceover career trying to be somebody else. And ever since then, I've just been trying to be me. Hmm. And, it's one of those things when you get behind a microphone, you, there's this tendency for people to uh, pretend to be, you know, something else. Or, you know, like I'm pretending to be an authority. I'm pretending to be informed. I'm, you know, um, but, but I really just want to sound like a human on the other side of the line. And, you know, I do something that a lot of male, you know, they call me an announcer type voiceover a lot. And just because of my range, but I answer phone calls for companies where sometimes people are calling them in emergencies because I really try to get that, you know, very conversational tone and just kind of be friendly and reassuring and, you know, kind of guide people through getting stuff done. And, and, you know, again, like, yeah, like I, I'm not talking directly to any of those people, but but in my, you know, in my mind, I try to imagine somebody like my mom, you know, who <laughs> like, you know, she, your biggest fan, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. She, you know, she has a, a warning come up on, you know, windows and she calls me being like, I did something illegal, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, it's okay. We'll get through this, you know? Mm. Um, and so knowing that like, you know, yeah, I can be the person who's reassuring, you know, I've done um, English as a second language uh, classes where you have to very, very, very slowly, you know, mm. and very clearly enunciate everything. Um, and it's, it's actually, that was probably one of the most challenging voiceover jobs I, I've done because you really, really, really have to think about how it is because you're teaching somebody who they don't know what our language is supposed to sound like. <laughs> you want to teach you know? them right. Oh, yeah. Wow. You want to, you want to, you know, you want to do it right. And sometimes, um, the person that you're working with, the person you're sending your work to might not know it either. Hmm. Right. So like, oh. um, so that's been one of the nice things is they'll send me copies sometimes. And I'm like, just so you know, 
I recorded it this way, but you probably want to use the second take. That's actually the proper English um, that's on there. And again, like I owe some of that to my English classes at college. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, knowing like, you know, <laughs> no, knowing no, no, the you grammar. Wrote that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it's good. Oh, that's really interesting. How how do you so <laughs> I'm wondering one, how you got that gig, but also is this like so you're doing recordings for people like in a classroom to listen to, or is this like an online English as a second language? Yeah. Sort of, yeah. You know? So, I mean, it's a, it's a classroom type situation. You know, they're, they've all got their headphones on yeah. and they're all listening, you know, to the, to the lesson. I mean, now today it's probably, there's a computer involved in there that's right. listening for them to repeat it back. Um, but the funny thing was that the first couple of stories that I started doing for them were old Disney stories. And I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm sitting in front of, you know, like the kids again, you know, again. reading, reading <laughs> like familiar. I know the story. I, yeah. I don't even need to read the script. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's super interesting. So how much, if at all, mm-hmm. do you think while you're doing, like, like right now when you're doing a voiceover or whatever, do you still consciously think about the, oh, my mouth wants to do this, but my, I, I need to tell it to do this. And like the stuff that you learned when you were a kid. Oh, gosh, yeah, all the time. I mean, hmm. uh, while I'm sitting here, you know, again, sometimes if I pause for a moment, it's because my tongue wants to flip a little bit. It wants to hmm. skip, make a couple of sounds, and I'm just like, nope, we're not going to do that. Um, there have been a couple of times when it, it happened, and it happened really, really bad at a couple <laughs> of jobs, um, mainly when I wasn't able to prepare for it, and that's something mm-hmm. else that... You know, I think that that anxiety that, you know, that happens uh, if it hits while I'm doing the job, there's just there's no, you know, it's going to be bad. Like, hmm. so I, you know, me knowing a little bit in advance, you know, knowing that something's coming and in voiceover, everything is basically audition based or, you know, you're working with people to try to figure out when you can do it, you know, get that schedule going. And so now I always have that that. Um, knowledge ahead of time, even if it's five minutes, you know, ahead of time, I know it. Um, but there was one time uh, at the Burlington Town Center, and I was asked if I could help load up some gear and bring it over there. They're doing some sort of a fashion show, and I get there, and the salesperson from the radio station is like, "Oh, good, you're here!" Like, I was so worried. I didn't know they were sending you over, and I was like, "Oh no!" Like I, you know, I was in the middle of uh, waiting for a couple of things. So it's no problem for me to bring the gear over for you. And I was like, so do you need help packing it back into the truck when this is done? And she's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. And she's like, we need an announcer for this. And I'm like, like, I haven't even eaten today. Like, I'm like, I need to go. And so, um, all of a sudden I'm, you know, behind a microphone, with words I've never seen before, which, you know, it, it happens, unprepared. <laughs> Complete, but utterly, utterly unprepared for this. You know, I hadn't eaten, I hadn't had anything to drink, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and as you can see, I mean, I have my water next to me. I always carry, I didn't bring water with me because I was like, I'm going right back mm. to the station and picking up food along the way. And it's like this fashion show there, all of a sudden tons of people in, in this, you know, whole area in the mall. And I'm, you know, doing the announcing for it. And it just was completely a cluster. And my mouth just decided that there was no way I was going to say Burlington. It was always going to be Burlington. And so every time I started to say Burlington town center, which 
it's got it an extra everything. tea there. Which I just pulled the microphone away from my mouth until it stopped. And, wow. and I just carried on and, you know, just made it work the best I could in, in the situation, you know, what? Interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. don't still, blame you. It's still, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's much less. Sure. The longer you go, I think the more control I have over it, but you know, if I'm tired or if I'm underprepared or, you know, hungry, you know, like all of these kinds of things can, can make it want to come out, you know, rear its ugly head, but it's never done it in a job because again, I'm always, I'm always in those situations prepared. So even for like live radio, you're at least like mentally in the game before you get there. Right. Yeah. And it's one of the nice things about living where I live is that, you know, it takes about uh, 32 minutes from my driveway (laughs) to theirs, you know, um, on, you know, on average. Uh, And that's plenty of time for me to, you know, work through everything, you know, that I want to talk about um, on my show. And I'll be like, you know, talking to my phone and, you know, leaving myself, you know, reminders and (laughs) things about things I want to talk about on the way. Do you do any like, like I work with a lot of music people. Mm-hmm. So this is where, this is where this question is coming from. But do you do any vocal exercises or anything like that before you go on? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got the, you know, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. It's just, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things, tongue twisters that I will say. Um, but a lot of times um, it's based it upon uh, the script. We both. I was trying to do it. I was just trying to do it. It was really yeah. hard. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my kids will give me like you know tongue twisters and be like, "Can you say?" And I'll be like, "Peter Piker, pick, you know, yeah. no, here I go. I'm not ready." Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pickled peppers did Peter Piper pick? And you know things like that. Wow. Where, um, or they'll be like, "Say that ten times fast," and I'll be like, "Okay," and I'll you know say it ten times fast. Challenge and, accepted. Yeah, and I'll be like, "How many times can you do?" And they'll be like, you know, the third time, and yeah, right, uh, you know, but. It's, you know, cause I'm kind of always living, I think in that, in that world, um, you know, I go on vacation, I've got a suitcase with equipment that I take with me. You know, it's, my wife thinks it's weird and she's finally used to the fact that like, even if I don't use it, even if I, all my clients know that I'm out of town for the next three days, I'm, I'm just got it in case. You know, just in case I need it. We've always got a GoPro and a microphone. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't leave a house without a camera. I just can't anymore. Right. Um, Yeah. It's it's the same kind of thing, you know. And like, I even have like a little camera that clips onto my phone. I mean, a little microphone that clips onto my phone, so I can at least do better quality than what my my phone is capable of doing. Right. Yeah. So I literally one time uh, somebody was like, "Can you fill in for this guy?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they were like, "Oh no! Like we forgot to ask you to do." But I was like, I have a conflict. So they were like, just record it all. And they were like, we forgot to have you do the weather. And I'm driving home. And I just pulled over on the side, clip it in. Really? Did the, Here's did the weather bite. forecast. And here you go. Wow. And so, you know, that audio ran, you know, on the radio. So I won't tell you which shift, but. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're, if you went to school for art, for, mm-hmm. to teach art, you have a visual side to you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I want to talk about this a little bit because, um, you were talking about telling stories, um, to sell things. Right. And, it, and that's what I do for a living. Right. right. <laughs> right? So, yeah. um, and I'm so passionate about telling stories visually. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, because you can't have a good video without good audio. Right. Um, I feel like you can almost have good audio without a good video, but whatever. We don't have to get into that. But so how, (laughs) 
much when you're trying to tell these stories, whether they be 30 seconds, 60 seconds, or however, whatever else you do. Yep. Um, how much is that a visual process for you? Completely visual. So, um, whenever I write a, 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 you know, whenever I write a commercial, whenever I write a, a spot, if I'm doing anything, um, I visually think the whole way through. So, you know, a lot of people are like storyboarding. Uh, it's already done. Like it's already <laughs> yep. the whole process is already done as I'm thinking about it. Um, I can't, I can't write words without the visual coming through. Um, so it actually made an easy transition. I, I swapped from radio for a couple of years working in TV and I was a uh, writer producer for uh, WCAX TV. So uh, great job, really loved it. Loved the people I worked with. Um, but it, um, and it was creative and it was fulfilling in a different way. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was like I was writing the same scripts. Like there was no change in my scripts it was just the you know they had the 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 here's what's the video element and here's the audio element um you know so like the the scripts come up in a different you know format when uh you know when you enter everything into the computer but but for me the whole process was exactly the same you know uh, i have to visualize it i have to see it it has to make sense for, you know from one to the other um the bonus to that was that I actually would strip the audio out of my commercials and use them on the radio. And nobody ever was like, oh, they just stripped the audio out of that commercial and used it for mm. the radio because the audio stood out on its own because the whole visual made sense as I wrote it. And mm. on the flip side, right. You didn't visual need the visual worked. to tell the story. The story was in the, in the audio track. Right. So yeah, it was, it just kind of, yeah, they neither party felt like they were missing anything. And um, so that was a cool thing that I, I actually worked with a couple of clients continuing on after that, doing their, you know, doing their scripts and doing their whole helping out that, with that process, um, you know, I, which I guess is called branding. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I would also end up taking pieces out of the script and we would put it in like their print ads. And, you know, so it was like that whole visual thinking um, and that was something else that also in college I, I learned how to do was that I was, uh, I made a, I don't know if, if you can really call it a literary magazine, but we made, you know, and did all the layout and did all the graphics. And I, you know, learned a lot about computers through, through that process back in the uh, days of the uh, power PC max. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you yeah, go. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, the visual, I, yeah, it, it's just there. Uh, my logo, you know, that you guys saw on the stickers. I mean, I, I've, I did that. I've done hmm. all of my logos. I think the only thing is that one of my logos I sent to a guy and I had him do like the liquid metal effect on it many years ago when that was cool. <laughs> nice. And, you know, it was yeah. like, I don't know how, I don't have the software. Can you do that for me? And, um, and yeah, I've, I've made logos for other people in the past. And, you know, sometimes I'll just send it to somebody um, you know, as a scan and just be like, can you clean that up? You know, I don't have Photoshop right now. And, um, uh, and just send me back, uh, you know, and, and I'd be like, here's the Pantone colors, you know, that we're looking for, you know, like all those elements. There's <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> palette. Yeah. That other people, you know, like they don't think about and, um, you know, sometimes don't even have any concept of, and I just, I'm always thinking visually, like, as I'm, I don't know, it just, it's part of, yeah, it's part of, I guess, sketching my life as a, as a kid, you know, I was not sitting there strumming along with, 
with a guitar. Um, yeah. I was I was there drawing the pictures, you know, that were the rock poster, you know, yeah. <laughs> for the band. You know, I was, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. What do you like to read? Oh gosh, I I, I feel read like a you're lot a reader. Are you a reader? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I read the news all the time. The news. Um, what do you mean you read the news? So I have I have. Um, I, I'm still one of those people that uses like RSS feeds for everything. <laughs> okay, so okay. Like, I'm reading, you know, I'm reading about craft beer. I'm reading about bands and music. Gotcha. Uh, but, but if I sit down and I, I read a book. Um, so late right now I'm reading, uh, let's see a Stephen King novel. Um, I'm reading a book, um, the town that food saved. It's about Hardwick, Vermont. Hmm. Um, hmm. Let's see. I've got uh, some, kind of thriller that I got from Amazon. I can't remember uh, the name of it. Um, there's a horror one that I just finished that a friend of mine, uh, local author, uh, Kristen Dearborn wrote. Um, and yeah, I've just, I'm, I'm usually like, I've, I've got three or four books that are going in different parts of the house that, you know, or on, I have a Kindle too. That <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, they're all just like, I just pick them up and I'm like, Oh, what am I reading here? Okay. And I just pick back up. Yeah. Interesting. Because I just, I wonder how much reading can feed, you know, your mind. And not, mm-hmm. that sounded, just listen to where I'm going with this. Your <laughs> mind meaning um, the way you think about speaking. Yeah. And storytelling. And, and storytelling language. and all that stuff. Yeah, because like, so I can't read. <laughs> I mean, I can read, but I, I'm not a, I'm not a reader. Yeah. Um, I'm. I watch a lot of movies though, you know, and yep. obviously for what I do, um, I am dissecting everything mm-hmm. about what I'm seeing in a movie, the lighting, the camera movements, the acting, the, the you know, the, the blocking is what they call it and all yeah. that stuff. Are you, when you're reading, like, I would say this this way <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely a little bit guilty. Well, when I was back in, in college, um, one of the, um, people who made me realize that maybe I actually had some skills. See, I always believed my English teachers when I was in younger days who, you know, were just like, well, that's horrible. And Mm. it was, you know, just turns out something they didn't want to read. Uh, So, Hmm. you know, didn't make it horrible. (laughs) Just made it something you didn't find enjoyable to read, but it doesn't mean that it wasn't, wasn't proper. So I I learned in college that I had an ability to write and I, I literally did not know that before that I thought all of my stuff was garbage and, Hmm. um, and it came about when I was having a conversation with my TA and he's like, I'm actually going to be gone for the next couple of weeks. Can you fill in for me and help other people with their writing? (laughs) And I'm like, I was like, are, are, are we like, is there are a bunch of people going to jump out and be like, how surprised? Like, you know, we gotcha. And he's like, no, I'm like, I'm like, no, I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, no, you really like have a great skill, or, you know, great talent or something like that. And I'm like, what? Hmm. And so, yeah, it was like, I, I was just blown away that, you know, here I thought that everything that I'd written was was garbage Um, but he was one of the people who said to me if you want to be a better writer be a better reader and Mm -hmm. so he was just like when you're reading something um don't just 
read it, you know, like sentence by sentence and paragraph by hair, you know, read in context, read things, you know, mm-hmm. that are, um, there's a style that, that writers have, and you'll find that they give characters a style too. And that it's really important that the writing might look like it's wrong in that section, but it can be right for that character or for the purpose of telling that, that part, you know, that um, you don't always follow the rules and that's how you need to think about, you know, writing. And, and, mm. and I was mm-hmm. like, wow. So basically the opposite of everything that I've ever been taught, everything you're taught, <laughs> right. You know, and, and, and I kind of was always trying to push that envelope because I, you know, I, I kind of, in my mind, I guess I knew that, which was one of the reasons that frustrated my teachers would, you know, like I would talk in, you know, I would write in slang because I'm like, well, that's how people are going to mm-hmm. talk to each mm-hmm. other. You know, mm-hmm. they're not going to be really formal, you know, and address each other with titles, you know, right. if they're yeah. just hanging out, um, you know, and so that was just this kind of eye opening thing where he really just kind of pulled back that veil of what was, you know, I feel like holding me back in, in writing. And so I just dove into these writers that I already kind of loved. And I reread a lot of the books that I was like, this is like my favorite book, like 2001, a space odyssey for me was like a a life-changing book, um, on the road with Jack Kerouac. It was another life-changing book. Um, the rum diaries, I think I liked better than fear and loathing in Las Vegas, you know, and I reread both of them and I'm like, Oh my God, like everything he said is, it's exactly true in these books and others where, you know, a conversation between a computer and a person isn't, you know, at least not, not yet. Um, (laughs) You know, it's not going to be proper English. It's not going to be. And so it was just a nice way to kind of like, wow, open up my eyes for how I'm looking at this. You know, yeah, it's a teacher's job and it was my teacher's job to teach me how to write properly you know for letters and right you know when when you're reading contracts and things like that it's really important to be able to <laughs> understand right. those things but um but you might not use that in day-to-day and it's a different expectation right writing creatively and i yeah. think i think it's an important lesson for any creative avenue um that when you're being creative the rules are meant to be broken yeah, 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 yeah right. I mean, you that's, know, again, that's when the awesome stuff happens. <laughs> exactly. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you if you listened to, you know, the way that people were talking about lighting a stage or lighting a scene, you know, fifty years ago, and you're still doing that exact same thing, like that wouldn't be something that visually is going to entertain your eye. But, um, you yeah. know, if you, you know, if you watch, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of what the name of the movie is. It's basically, it's like eight movies in one and just the lighting is, is the canvas in. It tells a story. Yeah. And it, and it tells its own story and you, yep. and, uh, and if you're watching that and you're not paying attention to the lighting, you're, you're missing yeah. a lot of the scene and a lot of what's going on in there. And, um, some people call me weird when I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, did you see the, but I'm like, I'm okay being the weird guy. Right. Who's the only one in the room who's seeing this. Yeah. Well, so, you know, (laughs) I'm a film nerd, so I have to talk about this a little bit. It's like the proper way of lighting is something called three point lighting, right? You have a key light, you have a fill light and you have a halo light, you have a Mm -hmm. backlight. Right. But like if everything was shot like that, it would be just bland. Yeah. Right. And, and something that is really cool that I love in movies is how it's, 
lighting and color tell stories. Yeah. Like, so I've seen some movies that the, the whole thing is color. I mean, it's just like, it's the color of each shot that yeah, tells yeah. the story. Yeah. Um, it, it's just so interesting. Do you, does any of that carry over into the way, so you do a lot of your own mixing, right? Mm, yeah. Well, yeah, I do all of, yeah, it's all of my own equipment. I do all of my editing. Gotcha. You know, like I did a job for somebody the other day and they were like, oh, we can edit it if it's cheaper. And I was like, I'm going to edit it anyway. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just, yeah, <laughs> like, just let me get, it. let it go. Right. right. Editing it somewhat. Yeah. So when you're obviously you have a layer of storytelling on how you say things and the voices that you may use, mm -hmm. but is there another layer of storytelling on how you mix it? I would say there used to be, I'm not doing a lot of full mixes anymore. Gotcha. Um, I, I do for a couple of people, but uh, yeah, for the most part, um, I kind of got out of that because I found that it was, I was, I was kind of being fought over what it was that I was trying to, to make and what I thought sounded hmm. good. By, <laughs> by clients? Yeah, by clients. It wasn't, sometimes it wasn't even the client. It was the, it was the you know, the intermediary. Gotcha. The, the person in between. So yeah, mm -hmm. when I was doing full production, um, you know, when I was the, the production director, I'd be like, you know, that commercial isn't good. Like we need, we can't play that on our radio stations. We're not being paid to remake it, but I can't, I can't play that. Like it's garbage. And you know, I, I, I read, would redo the, the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, t I would take their script and, um, and it, it just, I, I'm picky. I'm, I'm a stickler. And, um, but sometimes, you know, you're doing uh, a mix for a commercial and I, I like to, you know, use this kind of reference. It was like the third laser effect was, you know, that's what they're focusing in on. I'm like, that's not painting any of the picture. That's not telling any of the story. Why is it, you know, just like out of the five laser effects you have in your commercial that you want, which are strung together really well. Why that third one? Like, why is that the one that we have to keep going back to and revising, you know, like, hmm. and so I just kind of was like, I, I'm, I, it, it lost a little bit of joy for me in that. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do, I'm just going to do the voice. I'm going to focus on that. There are a couple of those clients that I do it for. And, um, and I, I love doing it. And, and because they trust me, Mm -hmm. You know, like it, you know, they give me free reign and they're just like, do this. Here's the concept. And I know what you're going to do is going to be great. Like, um, and that's kind of nice to have that. A lot of people don't give that, especially these days. I just, I find that a lot of people really are they're, You know, it's nitpicking and it's stuff that it's not part of the story. It's maybe not part of the, um, part of the picture. Right. So, so I kind of kind of backed away from doing that. I want to jump back uh, just a second and talk about um, your book reading. <clears throat> I find in this digital age, um, it's hard to read books or it's hard to find time to read books. When, when do you fit that into your schedule? So I don't sleep a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you're one of those, huh? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, one of these weird people... Um, 
I th- there's some term for it, but I only sleep uh, somewhere between four and six and a half hours a night. So oh, you are one of those people. Wow, yeah, you are yeah, definitely so, one of those people. <laughs> yeah, so um, if I sleep more than that, it's usually because I've done something like, you know, if I'm out in the woods and I'm, because I live in the woods, uh, <laughs> if I'm out in, in the woods and I'm cutting down trees and, you know, and, and chopping it up for firewood or something like that, I will probably sleep like seven hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, night, right, but, right. I can relate. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, but uh, on, on the average night, the physical toll on my body is, is not so great that I need all of that sleep. And hmm. um, so, you know, I, I, you know, wake up in the morning and I'll be like, oh, I've got a little bit of time. I'll read a book uh, before bed. I'll read a book. And sometimes just in the middle of the day, I'll be like, oh, you know, again, like, nothing on the schedule and I'll just pick something up and, and read it for a while. And so it's just kind of like, there's, there's all of these moments and I feel like a lot of the times and, you know, I'm guilty of it myself. I feel like, you know, or you, you feel like you've got to fill it up with something, but sometimes you don't, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's just a really gorgeous day. The sun's at the right angle, the birds are chirping outside. And I'm like, I'm going to go read a book out on my porch and stop and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of be in the moment. I'll sit there for a little bit and, you know, and I'll read a book. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I stayed in Vermont. And one of the reasons why I live where I live, uh, because I wanted to live with that intention mm-hmm. and I wanted to give my kids that kind of an experience as well. Um, and, you know, be there, um, for them and be there for me, you know, be there for my, my wife and, and just sometimes just be, you know, as a, as a, somebody put it once, we're human beings, not human doings. And, hmm. and sometimes the greatest joys in life are when you're, you're just being and, and you're not checking things off a list. Um, Cause that, while it can be fulfilling in the, in the short term and the long term, it's called a to-do list, not a to-done list. You're never going to be finished all of those things that you want to get done in, in a day. So you have to, you know, set it up as here's my priorities. Like before the end of the day, um, I've got these three jobs and then I want to do this and then I have to do this and I'd like to do these. And a lot of the times the like to, and some of them maybe even have to, I'm like, you know what? I am going to go for a bike ride with you to my six-year-old. I'm like, yeah. we are going to go down to the library to my 12-year-old. She loves going down to the library. So, One of the, I texted you this uh, like a week ago or something. Okay. Uh, some, a challenging thought for me was um, when, you're ta- when you're going day to day, who's, who's, um, Oh gosh, I gotta, I gotta think of it. I gotta think of it. Do you know where I'm going uh, with this? I do. It's like, who's listing your priorities for each day? Mm. You know, is it you <clears throat> or is it uh, yeah, uh, yeah. a third What's, party, right? Or are your priorities like, running your life or are you running your priorities? Something yeah, like something that? like that. Yeah. Um, and it's an interesting thought because obviously you're, I mean, you're speaking towards quality of life, Yeah. right? Your yeah. quality of life is going to be better. Um, what I found because I, I'm a workaholic, mm-hmm. just so you know, I, I mean, I, I find a lot of worth in, in what I do and, and yeah, I'm also, I'm, I'm young and kind of all my buddies, all my surrounding people are the same way and we just work all the time. However, I find myself 
far more productive when I take a day to go ride dirt bikes on the weekend, you yeah. know, and, and, and that's my, I mean, that's, that's my sitting on the deck and reading a book <laughs> is riding yeah, a dirt yeah. bike. But, um, but it's the same sort of thing where it's not only does it improve your quality of life, I think, but it also, um, when you're a workaholic like me can help you be more productive and more efficient and also maybe even a little bit more creative because you have to take those breaks. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think remembering kind of what it is you're living for, it just feeds you. And yeah, I mean, when I was younger, it was, you know, doing stupid things on a mountain bike <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, with, with my buddies, you know, we would literally go through not trails in the woods. And, um, you know, this was before they were even at suspension and things like that, you know? <laughs> so, you know, we were, we were doing really dumb things and that gave us the energy to go out yeah, and, and do all kinds of, you know, crazy things. I mean, I would, uh, the, the way I found out that I only need as much sleep as I did is that I used to hang out with a bunch of other, you know, art geeks and we would give ourselves challenges like, okay, in uh, 30 minutes, we've got to make a uh, Georgia O'Keeffe painting. And, you know, and like it's three o'clock in the morning and you're finding whole new layers of creativity mm. after you're running on, you know, <laughs> 26, 32, 48 hours of no sleep and you're, you know, just pulling these challenges that you've written two days ago, three days ago out of a hat and, you know, and you're staying up and I would do stupid things like that. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, but at hmm. the same time, yeah, there's, you know, there's a time when you need to, when you need to step away from, you know, from the, the computer or you need to step away from the whatever and just remember why it is you're doing what you're doing. Um, cause if it's not allowing you to do that, then is it, is it really a good thing in your life? You know? Yeah. When are your most productive hours in the day? Are you a night owl? Uh, early morning and late at night really? are the, are the most productive. So yeah. Um, I will come up with a lot of lists of like, Oh, here's what I'm going to do for like, you know, a couple of things. Like I'm trying to be really active on, uh, you know, on social media and I'm like, you know, on LinkedIn, sending friend requests, you know, typing out like a, a list of here's what I'm going to do this week. Uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff late at night. And then I kind of get it out of my system. I crash and then I wake up in the morning, take a walk with my dog is what I'm trying to do these days. I'm hoping that lasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I come back and grab a cup of coffee and uh, I just, again, just start kind of pouring out the creativity and then what I do when I have those moments where um, I've got downtime, you know, in between jobs and things like that, I'll pick one of those ideas up and, and I'll kind of run with it. And so, um, but I do things kind of cyclically. I have, I have this list of kind of things that I should be doing. And it's like, like eight things on there. And what I try to do is focus on one of them for like uh, two weeks at a time where I'm like, okay, I'm going to edit a whole bunch of videos or basically make the shell of a whole bunch of videos. So I've got this series that I'm calling like 30 by 30 and it's where I'm finding videos online that don't have a voiceover. Hmm. And so I'll take 30 seconds of the video with no voiceover and then I'll write a voiceover for the other 30 seconds and so you've got a, a video that's, you know, um, basically it's like 59 seconds, just long enough so that it can go on Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah. and I will post it on, you know, on all the social media so that it's got 
this. And so I'm still doing something creative. You know, I'm doing like, you know, the, the, some of the copy points are coming from the product's website or whatever. Um, but I'm doing that. And so, so I'll, you know, I'll make all those shells of that video. And then for the next two weeks, I'll check out my website and I'll be like, okay, you know, are, is my SEO up to par? You know, are there any keywords that I need to do? Um, and the reason why I do that is because I found that like, I worked one time for like, I, I swear it was like six months on SEO for my website. And I felt like I didn't get anywhere after the third week. Like it didn't get me farther along really Then, you know, and I spent all that time you know, researching and going through and, and then I was like, well, there's all this other stuff now that's piled up and now I've got to do this. So I just found that if I take a, you know, a week, if it's done, cool. Um, but the longest I will do is about two weeks on any of those kind of plans or, you know, those, those business kind of things. Like I'll, you know, look through like, okay, you know, time to check out my insurance, you know, time to check out, you know, should I still be a sole proprietor or is it time to, you know, become an LLC? Is it time to become a, you know, an S corp? Like, um, and so I, I kind of break up my, my days like that. And that took about two years to figure out that that was a valuable thing for me. Um, because I just, I felt like I just was at the point where I was just throwing spaghetti at the wall because I said it was time to, right. You, you should know. do this, you should do that, whatever. You just focus on yeah. something um, primarily for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And so if you just have that kind of like chain of, of here's all of the things. And I just, so it's just literally a Google doc that, you know, has a list of here's the things that I'm, that I'm working on. Um, and you know, social media is one of those things. And so I'll just, you know, again, like I, I use a, um, I use a publishing tool to help me keep track of mm. the ideas. And so I just throw them on there and then I work on them, you know, when I have the time and, um, and then I put, ideas you know for other things onto you know other google documents and i'll link to them and and it's just it's just this kind of way i have of of um kind of making it too more enjoyable you know because one of the things i like about what i do is that i get to wear a lot of hats but i kind of get to choose which hats i wear hmm. and sometimes i also can choose maybe somebody else is going to wear that hat i don't enjoy that one so much so <laughs> <laughs> that's a dream yeah yeah <laughs> that's so. quite a bit of quite a bit of structure that you set up for yourself. Do you find yourself looking at that schedule of tasks and be like, eh, yeah, I'm not feeling SEO right now. So we'll come back to that. Or are you disciplined to be like, well, I said I need to do this every three months. So that's what I need to work on. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll at least do a cursory glance at it. Yeah. You know, and if I feel like, okay, everything seems like it's still dialed in. Um, you know, I've gone, you know, now with, with like the, the SEO, I think it's been about three months since I've really made any big changes to that. Um, you know, last time I spent a week on my website and it was half of it was making my header image like the right size and then working on, you know, a couple of the colors that for some reason were Takes showing way up too a long different shade of red. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> man, why this WordPress is not, you know, doing this. And so that's kind of my next thing is to, you know, to hire somebody to, to just kind of redo my whole template, you know, cause mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. And, and it's nice to be able to make those choices sometimes of, of not wanting to do that. Um, but a lot of that, you know, I, I, I actually, I hired, um, two different people. One was, um, a coach for basically my, my just whole business, you know, specific, uh, specific, 
specifically in voiceover. And so that's his, uh, that's his forte. That's his specialty. And so he really helped me to set up those ground rules for myself. But at the same time, they're my rules. <laughs> so if I want to change them, you know, I'm the boss, I'm the person who gets to decide it. And, um, and then I worked with another one who was more, you know, specifically on like just the, the business side. So, you know, there are like, you know, I was talking about the insurances and some of the, you know, legal other things that are, are in there. Uh, so those are in there too. And, you know, it's good to have those people who you trust and who back you up and who are specialists and who, you know, can fill in those details. If you're a creative person, it's, it's good to have a details person <laughs> helping you out. But again, if you're a details person, hire a creative person, really, um, you know, don't, you don't want to have a website that looks like a form letter. You know, you don't want <laughs> to have right. a video that is so rigid and instructional that, you know, it's forgetting that maybe this could be a fun right. thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Um, I, for the work you're doing right now, do you have much, um, creative say on on the overall project uh for most of my clients these days there's not a lot of creative that i'm doing mm -hmm. and um and so that's why i'm creating my own content i find that that's one of the things that really is is helping me to um to kind of check out on that you know and, and not uh it's you know i care i care greatly i care immensely um you know, the, the real in, in the real voice, you know, I, I find is, you know, it's the authenticity part. It's, it's not like I'm the only, you know, like, <laughs> you know, uh, so I, I want to be the, that authentic person. So I make suggestions to a lot of clients. Um, you know, I will give them an alternate take, you know, they're like, here's the production notes. Here's how we want it to sound. And I'll be like, no, this just, this kept, this kept hitting me. And so I just thought I'd send this along to you you know, use it, trash it, whatever. It was fun to do it that way uh, for me. And um, so, you know, I think that that's one of the things that my clients know that they, that they get from me too, is that, um, you know, it's not going to be forceful. It's not going to be like, you know, no, I'm going to refuse to work with you if you do, you know, but I'll, I'll give them suggestions. I'll give them input. Um, and I measure that, you know, for each client, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that if I can't do it, you know, I know I'm going to be able to do it for myself. So, yeah. and that's where social media is like a savior in some ways to me. Yeah. Where do you find, not where, but how do you find clients right now um, as you're doing your own thing? What does that look like? So uh, a lot of people, so recently I've had people contact me from um, the, the 30 by 30 series that i you know, I call it a series, but right now there's only one that's been released, although there's three <laughs> others that are in the, in the works. So sure. one will be released this week. And then uh, probably in another two weeks, I'll release the next one just so I don't exhaust all the material too quickly and, you know, give myself a break. Cause um, so I do, um, I get some people who are on LinkedIn. Uh, I've had some people on Instagram come through. I get a lot of referrals. So people that I've worked with will pass on my information uh, to other people um, you know, uh, I get, um, not just referrals, but somebody will be like, Hey, I heard this person, you know, talking the other day that I've worked with before saying that they need somebody. So uh, I'll send you their email address and it's, you know, kind of cold calling or cold emailing. Um, but you know, I do a little bit of that. I, 
I try to always know something about the person that I'm calling so that I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. especially if it's a phone call. Um, there are casting sites where they'll say, you know, we're looking for a person like this and, uh, you know, send an audition or send a, a demo in a lot of auditions. I do a lot of auditions. So there are sites that I, um, that I have feeds to that, um, they will post jobs to or, um, or other things. And so I, I, you know, I, I will submit an audition and, you know, the good thing about that is it's practice. Uh, I also have sure. a manager out there who, you know, things have slowed down from what he's giving me, but, uh, you know, obviously a lot of things with uh, the world right now have, have been slowing down over things. So, uh, but I know he's still out there, you know, working away and, and, you know, the reality is that it's my business and I control it. So, um, you know, I, I have to get out there and I have to get myself in front of people um, through all kinds of different ways. And so, um, you know, one of the ones, one of the ways that I do that is education. So hmm. um, I've joined a, you know, a business networking group and part of the requirements for that are doing a lot of education. And, uh, you know, at first, you know, it's pretty rudimentary, like, you know, networking is when you, you know, walk into a room and you talk to different people and, mm. you know, exchange cards, but, you know, here's how to do it better, you know, stuff. So, um, so I feel like you can always learn how to do things better. And I'm the person who sometimes is the voice in a video teaching people how to do things better. Hmm. So I have to learn a lot about it too, you know? So. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I actually got hired for a job. Um, it was, you know, putting together this mechanical thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, I got to know how to do it inside <laughs> and out to even make the video about it. Right. Um, which is kind of interesting. But so you're working um, from your own studio, which means or what it sounds like is you're able to work for people all over the place. Yeah. Do you have um, do you work for a lot of clients outside of Vermont or is it mostly Vermont or a little bit here and there? Mostly out of Vermont. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, most of my clients are not um, are not in even the New England area. So um, I focus a lot of my efforts, I'll just like pick a city where I know somebody and get a couple of intros. So I've done a lot of work in uh, Washington, D.C. I've done a lot of work recently in um, Charlotte, North Carolina area. Hmm. Uh, there was a pocket that I was working on in the Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas area. Um, and then there were a couple of places out in uh, Wyoming um, that hmm. I was doing for a little while. But I also did some security announcements for a park in Germany. So <laughs> apparently they play, uh, they, I think they said it was five languages. They have their, their security oh, announcement. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so, and it's everything from, you know, please no flash photography before the show. Um, and, you know, <laughs> sit back, relax and, you know, make sure the aisles are kept clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That kind of a thing to, uh, you know, to the English as a second language that was in China. Uh, oh, I did wow. some, uh, audio tours. Um, so I think it was 18 different, uh, buildings, um, in Japan. So I did uh, an English version of the audio tour. I was one of those ones where I was, you know, very much kind of like, here's how you asked me to say it, but I'm also providing hmm, the correct way, the correct way, you know, the way that if people are from, you know, the UK or, <laughs> or America, this is how they're going to expect it. If English is their second language or, you know, or, or another language that they speak, um, it, it wouldn't be a problem, but uh, if it's their first language or primary language, this is how they're going to expect it to be said. Hmm. So, 
That's so cool. Those are cool opportunities. Yeah, yeah. It's really, you know, because, uh, you know, again, like, I guess I kind of like, you know, I like educating. You know, a lot of uh, videos that I focused on for a while were um, the what's called explainer videos. You know, so it's not really, um, it's more for like, you know, if you've bought this product and you don't know how to assemble it, you know, here's, oh, yeah. you know, here's a video that's going to gonna help you through that process of, you know, but better than the Ikea directions. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, do you, or do you mind to tell the story of, of how that Germany gig found you? I was wondering that too. Um, so that was one of those sites where, you know, they just post like, here's, here's a company that's looking for something. Gotcha. And hmm. if you, you know, feel like you meet, meet these criteria, um, submit the audition to uh, this person by this time. And so I did. And, you know, three weeks, four weeks later, I get an email back being like, you're hired, you know? Oh, great. So, and <laughs> How I'm cool like, is that? That's fantastic news. Um, that's one huh. of my favorite. The other one is you're paid. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's a good email to that's follow a, up. That's with. a wonderful email. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I have those little alerts on my, my phone's on vibrate right now because yeah, I, I get a lot of alerts on my phone, you know, which are different sounds and things like that, you know, so you know, I have a little cha-ching, you know. <laughs> oh, when, so you have, you have quote-unquote yeah. color-coded <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, messages. You know, so certain apps give me uh, give me different ringtones when yeah. I've got money in the bank, so. Hmm. Well, I've been learning a whole lot. Yeah. It's How are you doing over there? Super entertaining <laughs> and educational. Well, yeah. yeah, thanks, yeah. Well, this is, again, as I said, going into this, I mean, I this is something I know nothing about. Yeah. Me, me neither, really. I mean, we're not. We're not in the field, but it's kind of on the fringes of the creative industry. That's why we wanted to learn more about it. it. Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, here's the weird thing is that every day, everywhere you go, you are hearing voiceovers. And mm. it's something that people don't even realize. You know, you're standing on the platform waiting for a uh, subway and you're hearing a voiceover. Yeah. You know, and nowadays you're inside the train you know, you're inside the subway. Um, it's not the person who's driving most of the time who's announcing the yeah, next right. <laughs> stop. It's a voiceover. Um, you know, at the airport, you know, there's security announcements. One of the longest voice, longest running voiceover pieces that I have, I did in 1999. And somebody texted me about six months ago and said, oh my God, I just heard your voice <laughs> saying, Please hold for the next available representative. If this is a medical emergency, please hang up and dial 911 or your local emergency number. And I recorded that in 1999. Wow. And so that's been running all this time. And I just, you know, I keep saying to people, well, I hope nobody's still holding. So, um, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 that's quite a long time. But, but, you know, that's the other aspect of this is that I, I really actually have fun. I really do enjoy this. And part of, you know, the ridiculousness is like, you know, I do... Um, I do some sports imaging and, you know, like the literally, like as I was saying, like the Sunday, 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 you can't use that for everything, but man, it's fun when you do. It really, <laughs> so you enjoy it, that sort oh of stuff. Oh God. Yeah. I think some of the most fun that I have is actually doing some of those sports things because you just have complete license to be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of other places where you can be cheesy and, um, and I enjoy those too, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, 
literally like if you hear somebody screaming in their house it might be a voiceover town like don't just think i gotta call the police you know (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny i was actually just i i I just did a like a music video breakdown and i said the same thing about music videos it's like you can just be as weird and goofy and and ridiculous as you want and it's fine and and that's the avenue in filmmaking where you can you can have that yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You can just come unleash completely, like, right. and you can have totally the like, you know, the wrong colors, you know, splashed up in the background in an image, and you know they can be clashing, but it's that okay. Works with yeah. what's going on, you but know, it works. Like, yeah, but do it, Absolutely. roll with it. And uh, I'll leave you with the words because I feel like we're getting to the end here um, of one of my favorite philosophers, and he said, "If we never did anything silly, nothing intelligent would ever get done." Hmm. <laughs> And I, uh, I like to kind of live by that, you know, like sometimes there's the take that I don't send to the client, but it's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it's it. Right dude. One. Made you feel good. Yeah. I love it. How you doing over there? Good. Good. Want to wrap up? You, you're, I see wheels turning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's there's thinking. A, there's there's a, a couple of, a couple of things, uh, like lingering, lingering questions. Uh, are you diligent to an alarm clock or do you, naturally wake up four hours later just ready to go um so once i'm on (laughs) if i'm on a regular pattern a regular schedule i will typically wake up about 20 30 minutes before my alarm goes off and um so for example um a week ago i was filling in on a morning show one of the guys is on vacation and is in most markets this doesn't happen but they trust me i have no you know, I'm not trying to take over the morning show, uh, but I just filled in one time when somebody was sick and I was in the building and they were just like, cool, come back anytime. And so then they started saying like, hey, this person's on vacation next week. Can you come in? And so um, to do that, I have to get up at 345 in the morning and, um, you know, so I can get up, I get some food ready and I drive and, and am ready to go at 5 a.m., you know, when when the show starts. So that was last week. <laughs> and, and so I was up at 345 in the morning every single day, except for Thursday and Friday, where I woke up 20 minutes before my alarm clock and was just ready to go, walk downstairs, you know. Um, so this week I've had my alarm set for, I think it's 630 and I've been waking up at, you know, six every day. So it's just kind of, I'm not. I still set the alarm yeah. because, you know, like if, if something, you know, goes awry or, you know, like if I've pushed myself or if I'm coming down with something, I might sleep a little bit longer. So I always just have it set to be, it'll be safe. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, don't, I, I, I hate being late and I hate, you know, being that guy who just like never showed up. Like I, you know, uh, I've tried not ever to be that guy and, uh, you know, having twice is way too many times for me in my life. So, <laughs> Yeah, Sounds like so. that nervous energy just keeps you going. Yeah, 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 yeah. It 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 does. But you know, like uh I give myself a job, I give myself stuff to do, and you know, just keep myself occupied when I need to be. So yeah. Awesome. Well, if people want to follow you or get in touch for a voiceover, how how can they see your work? Sure. So my website is therealvoice.com and um I'm at the real voice mel on almost all social media. I think that Maybe LinkedIn is a little bit different, but Mel Allen, you know, and the real voice. And if you just type those words in anywhere, you'll probably find me. So 
What a pleasure, man. So nice to meet you. Yeah, it's very nice meeting you guys too. I love what you're doing and uh, I can't wait to see more of the people that you have in here. So. Uh, yeah, awesome. same, man. Well, thanks. Right, thanks cool. Appreciate it. Thanks.